You Want It Darker by Ms. Chunks. Chapter 36 Runaway Summary Aizawa Gets Carried Away I should go. The 15 pounds of vibrating fur on top of Aizawa's chest begs to differ. It is an immovable weight that cannot be stirred for love nor money. So go then. Hitoshi's curled up at the other end of the sofa like he's part cat himself, wearing a thin smile that conveys his endless amusement. Because Aizawa should go, but thinks he might die if the cat moves. It's an achievement in itself that he's slumped near horizontal enough in the corner of the squashy sunflower yellow sofa to allow Trashbag to have successfully perched all of the cat's fairly sizable mass on Aizawa's more sizable yet pecs. The furry deadweight is fast asleep and snoring up a storm, and Aizawa's strong enough for a lot of things, but not to disturb a sleeping cat. Just move the cat and get up. Hitoshi challenges, with his amused grin fattening on the picture of Aizawa must make. No. When Hitoshi leans along the sofa, as if to reach for his pet, Aizawa growls, Don't. And Hitoshi breaks into a laugh that wakes Trash Bag anyway. Does he remind you of home? Is that it? Hitoshi coos at the sleepy countenance of his cat who elicits a sound like a meow that grates like a block of hard cheese. Hitoshi offers his hand for Trashbag to rub his whiskery cheeks against without getting off Aizawa's chest just yet. The deal Aizawa cut with Kiki specified leaving before dinner, which he's going to get awfully close to if he doesn't get up soon. Kiki was understandably given the rest of the day off work due to the family emergency of a murderous ex-husband breaking loose from maximum security prison so she's home in plenty of time to cook for Hitoshi, and has fully embraced the task, nursing a second beer while she prepares a tasty-looking dinner for three. Just that Aizawa's not the third. Chair number three for dinner at Hitoshi's house tonight goes to Yamaguchi, who has been bouncing from wall to wall, checking the place from top to bottom, like the dedicated professional she is, and is now helping Kiki with dinner. Kiki tried to resist, truly she did, but her insistence that it was fine for Yamaguchi not to lend a hand crushed her helpful spirit so much that Aizawa was pretty sure Kiki just took pity on the rookie. Hitoshi looks pleased as Punch to be lolling on the sofa while two of his favorite ladies cook for him, and Aizawa's caught the tail end of lingering looks between the teen and Yamaguchi a few times already. This is probably a weird space for them to interact in. Yamaguchi has to reconcile the fact the way Hitoshi first appeared to her with the actual 16-year-old, who lives with his mother and has a bedroom decorated with faded heroes on posters. Yamaguchi checked Hitoshi's room just as thoroughly as the rest of this place, but might have been a little redder in the cheeks after she came back to declare to Aizawa that it was also secure. Aizawa started to wonder if she found something unexpected in her search, then decided that he definitely didn't need or want to know what was in Hitoshi's room, to make a lady police officer blush like a cherry, and put the thought to quick eternal rest. Aizawa wonders if there's a factor of the Shinso effect that Kiki warned him of. The charismatic presence of Hitoshi's company, his father's too, if in, if in an entirely more sinister way, working on Yamaguchi as well. 
or perhaps she's less susceptible to it, numb to those out-of-range mentalist frequencies that Aizawa that was finding harder and harder to switch off. Now he's finally booted the awareness into action. It's assuring to know there's a reason for Aizawa's feelings. A definite effect, byproduct almost, of Hitoshi's quirk that secures the new rules of gravity for Aizawa's priorities. What makes him so easy to love, in Kiki's own words. But Hitoshi also got buckets of charm to back up his inbuilt magnetism, when he wants to. And when Yamaguchi's concerned, he usually does want to. It's Yankumi this and Yankumi that whenever they're chatting. It's not quite the Lothario-esque level of flirting Hitoshi might attempt if he weren't in front of his ma. However, Kiki's clearly got a good enough read of the situation that when Yamaguchi leaves to go to the bathroom, she eyes her son with a knowing heat and remarks, Isn't she a little out of your league? Ma! Hitoshi nags with a long vowel, dragging it out like he knows that she knows, but he would die before admitting it. We're just friends. So far, but he's barely known Yamaguchi a week, so that's no sign of what might be yet to come. Kiki's scathing gaze finds a partner in Aizawa's own, yeah right, disbelief, and watching Kiki smirk over her beer makes it pretty hard for Aizawa not to do the same. Mm-hmm. Kiki hums like an unconvinced message notification, and it reminds Aizawa of the texts from Hizashi he still doesn't have. Not even one. It occurs to Aizawa far later in the day than it should that he can actually message Hizashi first. Without disturbing the cat, Aizawa clumsily fumbles his phone back out and does just that. It's a simple, it's simple, no more than, what are you doing tonight? Because Aizawa's never had the digital communicative qualities of Hizashi, who lives and breathes into as many social media platforms as he can, as can contain him, which is all of them. Hizashi is so plugged into the network that it's less than a minute before Aizawa has a reply, which comes in the form of a picture. It's been taken in a crowded bar with what looks like other teachers in the background, but the foreground is Hizashi front and center. It's the last but one night of school after all. Of course they're out for drinks. Hizashi's taken off his neck gear, meaning the spidery lines of his neck tattoo are just visible in the shot. His mouth is open wide, corners turned up in an ecstatic grin, and Aizawa can definitely see why a brightly colored piercing in the middle of Hizashi's tongue would further freakify his look and feel great on Aizawa's cock. Though, only if it doesn't screw up Hizashi's voice. Maybe why he's more in favor of the one down south thinking about it. In the picture, long manicured fingertips clasp Hizashi's jaw in a powerful grip, and immediately next to him, crushed into the having all this fun without you selfie, Kayama is in profile to the camera, her tongue arching as she exaggeratedly licks the side of Hizashi's face. Actually licks, obviously. They're no fucking fakers. Aizawa feels something inside him uncoil and let out a howl at the moon. Why can't they give him a few more hours of the day? It's unfair that everything happens so at once all the time. I miss you. Another simple message. But maybe Aizawa's been wearing his partner's patience a little too much, because the reply is... Then make some time for me, fucknuts. Ouch. 
but Aizawa deserves it. I'll be home tonight. If only because he's being kicked out of where he is, and that makes Aizawa feel more guilty. But he doesn't do anything about it except stew. He's good at stewing. Okay, is all Hisashi sends back, and is hopefully more busy than angry. Hopefully. If he's out with Kayama and the rest of the staff, it means he might be. Okay, we'll definitely be back late. Aizawa can't help that either, but it does leave Aizawa with the looming actuality of some time to himself, which it feels like it's been an awfully long time since he had much of. He doesn't really know what to do with it. When Kiki just so happens to feed Trashbag, the cat finally gets up off Aizawa to waddle off in pursuit of his own dinner, and Aizawa doesn't have a reason not to go anymore. He mustn't overstay his welcome any more than he already has, so Aizawa gives Hitoshi a well-intentioned pat on the shoulder as he's getting off the sofa, offers a wave to Yamaguchi across the room, and then, I'm off then, to Kiki as she tends pans over the stove. If anything happens, I'll call you. Kiki finishes for him, looking around. They swap numbers at the tail end of their little smoke break council, a bit more conscious communication on both their sides to keep the crazy at bay. Goodbye, Aizawa. Bye. He lets himself out, and figures out what in the fuck he's going to do next. Aizawa's swinging his way into the entertainment district, ostensibly to join Hizashi and the rest of the UA teaching staff, when he hears something. Not just hears, senses. A sharp pulse of distress that he's already moving towards before thinking about what it means. Which is danger. The just-beforeness of something bad about to happen. It's probably the psychic footprint of a frightened mind, if Aizawa's thinking, mentalist. A siren that goes out specifically for him, and Aizawa flies towards this cause like a homing pigeon returning to the coop. Aizawa's already getting better at placing these signals with his improved radar. As he approaches, a voice in the distant side street behind a noisy bar grows louder. Come on, I just want to kiss goodnight. So too comes the reply with even greater clarity, long before Aizawa gets them in sight. No thanks, I'd really just like to. Aizawa gets there in enough time to literally drop two stories and land right next to the man, who's holding the wrist of a hostess who looks very much like she just wants to go home. Wrapped in a thick jacket that she pulls tight around her glitzy evening wear underneath, just visible past the end of the coat that hugs her hips and long, and long legs with shoes that can't be comfortable to walk or run in. Seems to me like she's off duty. Azawa remarks to the guy. Normal, frighteningly normal-looking, salaryman type. As Aizawa goes from being several meters above to being right next to him in the space of a few seconds. You want to give it a rest? The fuck are you? The guy bursts with surprise and then embarrassed anger. My friend owns this place, you know. He said I can have any girl here I want. Aizawa's already boiling over, especially in the midst of this terrible case. So to be exposed to the same disgusting behavior that drove Shioko to murder to murderous ends. Never has he sympathized more with a killer he's hunting than the moment when the man tugs on the woman's wrist as if to say, we're leaving, and she remains stationary. 
But then it does get worse, because she pulls harder, and she lets slip a strangled noise, painfully resisting his attempts to drag her somewhere she doesn't want to go. How about this? As Awa says, like he's pushing bones into a meat grinder. You've got literally three seconds to let go of her before I make you. The braggart gives a derisive scoff. You can't tell me what to. And three. As Awa punches the guy square in the nose and feels an entirely satisfying crunch against his knuckles. Now that might not have been strictly necessary, but the guy's still got a nose even if it's now gushing blood that he brings both hands up to stem the sudden flow. He should consider himself lucky, the way types like him are going down in this city at the moment. However, Aizawa appreciates that he might have gone overkill when the girl shrieks, Oh my god! and starts hyperventilating, like she's about to burst into tears. Uh, I'm a hero. Aizawa tries to explain while the guy drops onto his ass, grabbing at his face and moaning. Sorry, I should have said earlier. Are you alright? I'm... I'm... The girl's panicked, as Awa can tell, and what he wouldn't give for Itoshi's interpersonal skills, with or without the assistance of his quirk, right about now. Aizawa comes on a bit strong sometimes, especially dropping out of friggin' nowhere and almost breaking guys' noses at the top of a hat. Drop of a hat. Maybe he needs to lay off for a night, he considers, instead of pushing all his frustration onto any target he can find. But then the girl shudders and finally shunts out, I'm okay. Thank you. As she catches up, and Aizawa's glad he did it. But we shouldn't stay here, the hostess urges with a clearer voice. He was serious about knowing the owner. Let me go part of the way with you. Aizawa murmurs, and she nods gratefully. Aizawa only walks a short distance with the hostess, and doesn't really invite conversation, but it tumbles out of the girl like she's got a mission, to ensure the space between them is never free of chatter. She's actually a student at university, doing this work in the evenings to make enough money to pay for her course fees and textbooks, but her grades are falling and she's been making enough money here that she thought about dropping out and doing it full time. Except, creeps like that remind her why she's getting an education. So now she's going to push herself even harder to catch up and graduate and so on. After she's trundled into talking about how she's going to treat herself to an entire ice cream cake from this one special bakery after a night like this, Aizawa decides he can't take another moment of small talk, and they've gone far enough for the threat to be acceptably reduced. He makes his excuses to the girl's bemused acceptance, and then Aizawa heads back up onto the roof space, where his thoughts are that much clearer. Clear enough to decide that even if Hizashi is there, Aizawa's not ready for all the ruckus of a bar full of his colleagues, and their nosy questions, right now. Though he would love a drink. Another one. That's how Aizawa ends up buying a single can of beer, a packet of cigarettes and a lighter from a convenience store, then copping a squat in the alleyway behind the store for a cathartic drink and smoke his problems away. Which is where he is when the gang of homeless maybe thugs approach him to ask what he's doing, stinking up their turf, and how this is their spot and such and such. Now, Aizawa didn't have to escalate. 
He could have moved on, rather than resolutely resisting and remaining in his stoic crouch against the wall, puffing ob obliviously on his cigarette. But he had, but yet, but he had every right to be there and wasn't going to be moved. He definitely didn't have to stub his cigarette out on one of the guy's shoes either, and promptly get himself almost kicked for such an insolent action. Asao didn't have to start the resulting alley brawl afterward. He did it, though. All of it. If Aizawa saw a student doing anything so belligerent, he'd probably expel them on the spot. But he's better at teaching the principles of being a good hero than he is at upholding them in his own life. At least after a never-ending train wreck of a day like this. And that's how Aizawa ends up getting two beers stabbed during a drunken hobo knife fight behind a convenience store. A stupid mistake that he ought to have known better than let happen, but it all, it's always the dumb moves that cost him the most. The crusty old bastard barely got the blade in at all, just a little dig into the top of Aizawa's forearm, but it's enough that Aizawa has to tape a dressing around his arm to stop himself leaving a trail of evenly paced blood drips over the pavement. Not really doing it properly, the dressing slowly soaks through, until even the edges have filled out red by the time Aizawa's finally given up on the night and just goes fucking home, whether Hizashi's there or not. Remembering Hizashi's blood-in-the-bedroom rule, when Aizawa arrives back to a deserted apartment, he starts running a bath, heading into the main room to pick one of Hizashi's liquor bottles from behind the evening bar. It's one of the ones with an English label that Aizawa, doesn't rem that Aizawa remembers hating the taste of least, bringing it with him into the bathroom, Aizawa strips and sinks into a steaming tub, submerging his whole head until the noise of the world finally goes quiet for a moment. Aizawa had warned... Dr. Awaya had warned Aizawa about this too. Overstimulation. Training a new sense is all well and good, but when it's constantly running, all that brainwave energy banging around can get... overwhelming, is how Awaya phrased it. Hitoshi had surprised Aizawa by casually remarking he got noise-canceling earphones to help him with that, without batting an eyelid, and Aizawa had foolishly written it off as something he could handle. Like any muscle Aizawa's only just started using in a new capacity, it's natural for there to be a little ache after exertion. It's just weird to feel your, like your whole brain is aching from front to back. Electric pulses running across Aizawa's cortex in waves that become so much fainter when he's underwater, holding his breath and looking with blurry eyes at the lights dancing on the underside of the surface. Aizawa dunks his bloody arm along with the rest of him initially, then remembers he's been poked with a knife when he sees the spiraling cloud of blood released through the water from his, soaking, from his soaked dressing. Aizawa thrusts his arm out of the bath like surfacing a submarine, pulling the soggy dressing off to slap onto the tiles and hanging his elbow over the edge of the tub, dripping wet. The wound had stopped bleeding by the time he got home, but seems to have started up again. Aizawa registers it on a low level as he slides up in the bath and puts his head back, hair warm and sodden down his back. He'll tape his arm up soon, he thinks, but instead uses the arm to swig Hizashi's liquor straight from the bottle and just stares into space for a while turning the events of the day, and further beyond that, over and over in his head, as if working a hard candy all the way down to a tiny seed in the center.
The sound of the front door perplexes Aizawa more for its timing than actually causing any outward surprise. Physically, Aizawa is unresponsive, practically melting against the tiles with the square glass bottle hanging loosely from his fingers. With blood or water, a little of both maybe, oozing down his arm and Aizawa's hair swaying in thick wads across his shoulders, it might almost look believable that he's finally changing from solid into liquid once and for all. Footsteps follow the door, and the cause for Aizawa's bemusement is that it's not that late, which means Hazashi left a party early. To see him, it goes without saying. Thinking, maybe even hoping, that they'd get a chance to... talk, Aizawa supposes. Though, hopefully a little more than talking, if Aizawa's not inescapably shut in the doghouse all night. Aizawa knows he owes Hazashi communication, but that's also draining, and he's already so drained. Shota! Hisashi calls through the apartment, and Naizawa returns a kind of gurgling noise from the bathroom in reply. Pulling back the door, Hisashi takes one look at Aizawa and shoots, Jesus fucking H Christ! What have you done to yourself this time? It's just a little stabbing. Aizawa's slurring more than he remembers, but then, the last normal conversation he had was back at Hitoshi's place, and he's had more to drink, and more blood to lose, since then. You look like a goddamn crime scene. Hizashi's pissed, Aizawa can tell, so the fact that he isn't straight up yelling right now, and is instead going to his bathroom cabinet for something to patch Aizawa up with, means Aizawa has fucked up even worse than he thought. The first. Aizawa says with his mouth under the surface of the water, so its words just come up as unintelligible bubbles. What? Hisashi calls over his shoulder at Aizawa. His headphones are around his neck, hair finally having lost its tenacity and bundled into a messy topknot on top of his head like a pile of dead canaries. The look Aizawa gets from Hisashi across the bathroom could be best described as Fucked off meets tearfully worried. Which of the two wins at which of the two wins out is probably strongly influenced by the lazy trickle of blood Aizawa has allowed to run all the way down his arm and away over the wet tiles. But Aizawa just about manages to properly enunciate. The first victim was forced to slash his own wrists in the bath. Saying it out loud means that Aizawa imagines it for a moment being a prisoner in his own body, watching his hands clumsily slice his wrists to shreds as he bled to death in the bath, listening to the TV blaring in the background. All over a promotion at work, though Aizawa doesn't know what that first victim was like to work with. Whether it's who or what, that was what pushed Shioko to murder him and frame it like suicide. By this killer you're after? Hizashi fills in snippily, and Aizawa nods against the surface of the water. So you're going for what? A reenactment? It wasn't Hizashi it wasn't Aizawa's intention, but it's hard to shake the feeling now. But it's hard to shake the feeling now he's let it eat at him. A pocket of dark matter that keeps pulling everything else into endless, infinite void. I picked a fight with some bums on the way home. Aizawa answers bonelessly, limp as Aizawa, 
limp as Hizashi comes over with a bottle of antiseptic and a fresh dressing. Got a bit stabbed. That seems to happen to you a lot recently, Hizashi observes as he lifts Aizawa's arm and pours antiseptic over the wound, making Aizawa clench his teeth together and hiss as the burn eats through him. That helps dim the mentalist noise too, incidentally. Physical pain dragging him back into the body from the cavernous infinity of the mind. Just twice. Aizawa mutters while Hizashi starts to dab and prod at the cut until he can see is not exaggerating, and it's only a tiny stab wound. He's seen Hizashi do worse to himself with a kitchen knife trying to cut an avocado. And your hand, Hizashi adds, as he speeds through drying off and wrapping up Aizawa's arm in a dressing. The matching slices on Aizawa's palm have closed up now, but mostly because they were rounded up in Recovery Girl's healing after Aizawa took the knife straight through his arm... two days ago? Three? He can't fucking remember anymore. Aizawa's arm gives a reflexive twitch when Hizashi moves it. That wasn't stabbing. Right, because the knife has to actually penetrate you before it counts. Hizashi replies cattily, and gives Aizawa another dose of the antiseptic for spite, probably. Do you want to talk about what's really going on, or do I just keep patching you up and you keep saying you're fine when you clearly aren't? Aizawa reaches for the bottle. Aizawa reaches for the bottle of liquor and takes a glug in protest of Hizashi's scathing look. When he offers the bottle to Hizashi next, obviously he takes it, slugging for twice as long as Aizawa did, like he bought it, so he'll get his money's worth, before wiping his mouth on the back of his hand. Aizawa says, You remember Hitoshi's dad in prison? The one who did the massacre? Like Hitoshi's got another dad. <laughs> Not really. Hizashi licks his lips and takes another drink of the... Aizawa thinks it's whiskey, but the American stuff. John Dangus or something. Yeah, bit hard to forget when they're plastering the bugger's face all over the news. Really? Aizawa sits up, reanimating extremities that his body swore had simply become part of the water. He's been willfully out of the loop for too long. For what? Comparing Dr. Shinso's crimes to this new... Hizashi gets it all at once. Oh, Shota! He utters like it's a variant on, oh shit. Is that the one? You're trying to catch the Death Note killer? We just call her Shioko. Aizawa replies dully, and then turns to look more insistently at Hizashi. Don't let anyone write on you. Write on me? Confusion dashes across Hizashi's face like a herd of panicked giraffes. Why? Because you'll die. Aizawa can't even say it out loud. Too big. It's how she traps her victims, he explains. There's no reason she'd have to target you, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. Hizashi might not be a sex offender, except for one sorely misunderstood charge of public nudity. But he's close to Aizawa, who is close to Hitoshi. There's only so many degrees of separation before the heat is hotter than Aizawa's comfortable exposing the love of his life to. Okay, I won't. Hizashi's playing a peaser, slipping out of his jacket to toss the clammy leather over the bathroom counter, 
and he's just saying it because Aizawa's all strung out. So the dad in prison? He's not in prison anymore, Aizawa corrects, and Hisashi's jaw visibly drops. He got out? Hisashi pulls his t-shirt off and drops it on the dry side of the bathroom, revealing his patterned true colors beneath, a living mural, vivid and so alive. Today, Aizawa answers morosely, sinking back down in the water. Next, Hisashi's dexterous fingers go to his belt. Aizawa's gaze lingering on Hisashi's buckle like salt clinging to the edge of a rock pool. There's a police officer staying with Hitoshi and his mother. Fuck me! Hisashi reacts as he shimmies out of his pants, the leather shedding cha-cha. Or me, Aizawa's thinking sordidly, as Hisashi steps out of today's rotation in his large collection of supposedly not-identical black leather pants collection. They're all black and leather pants, as far as Aizawa's concerned, but Hisashi will suit himself. No wonder I came home to find you pissed, bleeding, and drinking all my Jack Daniels in the bath. Hizashi declares as he sheds the last of his clothing. A pair of tightly fitted day-glow boxers, and it's just a coincidence of their respective levels that Aizawa's staring straight at Hizashi's junk. A familiar sight. Hizashi's soft, but this is hardly the mood for that. At least not yet. But if Hizashi's stripping, that means... Move up! Hizashi orders as he struts to the edge of the tub. You're at least going to let me wash your idiot hair. Mm, okay. Aizawa shifts and sends a tidal wave of water back and forth, spilling a little over the end of the tub as he makes room for Hizashi to sit on the edge of the bath uh, behind him, legs slipping into the water behind him. When Hizashi's fingers grasp and trail across Aizawa's scalp with a hairdresser's confidence, Aizawa makes a noise that anyone in their right mind would assume is highly sexual. Hizashi clicks his tongue as if he's saying, don't get any ideas, lest Aizawa forget he's still in the doghouse. But it's just intense, a wave of stimulation that's all-encompassing for the moment it hits. Don't stop, Aizawa pleads, as he rolls his head more fully into Hizashi's lap. It makes sense, he supposes, all this mental strain, the amount of nerve endings in the scalp and proximity to the brain. How it's been at least a week since he's properly washed. Either way, Aizawa's well and truly clay in Hizashi's hands right now, and if he could just melt into a couple of inky black and red swirls in the water, he might. Aizawa hinges his head back further, watching himself in the reflection of Hizashi's mirrored lenses, trying to make eye contact even if he can't see the green of Hizashi's gaze behind the shades. I'm sorry. Hizashi's mirrored glasses cover up the true nature of his mood, which always sits tucked into each wrinkle at the corners of his eyes. Hizashi despairs over the lines that deepen whenever he smiles and laughs. So, most of the time. But Aizawa likes watching him age the physical signs of the time they've spent on this rock together. However, Hizashi's voice is and always has been a dead giveaway. So when he sighs, I know, baby. It's with an exhaustion that longs for relief. But you realize you do this to yourself? This is a familiar question, 
Zashi's testing how much of Aizawa is still there. That he hasn't forgotten how to be a person, rather than a discombobulated cloud of fears and anxieties. A restless force that knows how to hit hard and push through and do nothing else but work. But that's not how to be a person, even if it is how to be a good hero. I do. Aizawa rolls his head to the side, meaning that it, meaning that his face comes into contact with Hizashi's inky thigh, where the oceanic scales of a sea dragon wrap around one leg, all the way down to his knobbly knee. A warrior towers over forests on the other leg, but Aizawa's got the dragon side on this occasion. These epic folklore scenes don't cover Hizashi's inner thighs, though, which remain untattooed, and are somehow an erotic statement as a result. On Hizashi, bare flesh feels truly naked. Hizashi peruses his many grooming products on a shelf along the edge of the tub, selecting one like a choosy maitre d' picks out wine, while Aizawa mouths the border where Hizashi's inked dragon swims up his inside leg. Opening the bottle to squeeze a generous dollop onto his hands, Hizashi brings them together and then back down over Aizawa's scalp. Aizawa releases another guttural sound against Hizashi's thigh, while Hizashi lathers up Aizawa's hair in a way he absolutely does not bother with when he's washing it himself. This is one of those many things that Hizashi just does better than Aizawa, and it would be illogical to stand in the way of that. Aizawa bites softly at a patch of bare skin almost next to Hizashi's crotch, and Hizashi shakes his leg and directs Aizawa's head back up into center. With his fingers buried deeply in Aizawa's inky mantle of hair, holding Aizawa firmly in place, Hizashi bends all the way over to look at Aizawa up close. Shades falling down his nose, so they're eye to eye for a moment. So would you stop doing it to yourself? Aizawa wishes he could. 26, he tells Hizashi without breaking their nose-to-nose -nose gaze. What? Zashi sits upright and resumes shampooing. Okay, he knows the words. Aizawa's hair. People they've killed. They? And that's separately. Aizawa adds. With Dr. Shinso and Shioko, what Dr. Shinso and Shioko will do now they're reunited, that's something to be afraid of. Hizashi's frowning, so many people as many as so many people do when they finally learn the truth. The news didn't say anything about that. They wouldn't, Aizawa mutters, sinking further down in the water. Dr. Shinso killed eight people when he was escaping earlier today, and in the last few days, Shioko has been making drug addicts deliberately inject themselves with lethal doses. Like unrolling a large ball of tightly wrapped yarn, Aizawa starts to unravel. Usually after carrying out her bidding, all the way up to making someone blow their brains out with a cop's gun in the police station earlier today. Aizawa builds steam, which rises off his broiled flesh in long, wispy blooms. Really, it's 27, if they count what she did to the zombie. Zombie? Hizashi's working Aizawa up into a lather by now, but with magical fingertips that trail therapeutically across Aizawa's scalp and make it feel like everything is being worked out, bit by agonizing yet relieving bit. Someone she used her quirk so forcefully on, he's been turned into a vegetable. Aizawa explains unhappily, and Hizashi doesn't say anything, 
just makes a face that says it all. The, oh, Shota, look of compassion for the darkness Aizawa willingly subjects himself to. Hizashi urges Aizawa back down into the water. Aizawa's eyes are shut, and his whole face doesn't slip under, but his ears do. Then he takes a deep breath and floats. For a wonderful moment, he's free, tethered to the world only by Hizashi's hands gently cradling his skull. Half submerged, Aizawa opens his eyes to half-mast and gazes up at Hizashi, whose halo of messy golden hair flows from the light above their heads, like he's the actual sun in Aizawa's sky. The soothing blanket sound of being underwater distorts Aizawa's voice in his own head, making it a distant, frog-in-the-well croaky echo that he hears himself saying, I love you. Aizawa sees Hizashi's lips move, well, while warm water swaddles his head, and Hizashi's either saying, love you too, or I eat glue, but Aizawa takes a wild guess as to which it probably is. Swishing his fingers from side to side, Hizashi expertly fans out and squeezes Aizawa's hair, carefully grasping handfuls to tug his scalp, squeezing long, undulating groans out of Aizawa, like wringing out a wet flannel. Aizawa might not expend much time or energy on personal hygiene and grooming, but he does love when Hizashi washes his hair, and is grateful beyond words that Hizashi's overlooked Aizawa's unworthiness tonight and done it anyway. When Aizawa next comes back above the water, Hizashi tells him with a fondness buried 15 years deep, like a seam of gold in a dirty coal mine, but you're such a messy bitch. Maybe, Aizawa thinks, but Hizashi's always been right there getting trashed alongside him, albeit in a bunch of different, but still dysfunctional ways. That's why Aizawa's assured, like the gentle lap of waves against a shore, in telling Hizashi, you love it. Or he eats glue, but Aizawa's pretty sure if Hizashi had a solvent abuse problem, he'd know about it by now. Hizashi brings him back above the edge of the tub, and applies another product to Aizawa's hair, packed with the scent of springtime flowers that fills the air around them. Aizawa's too used to smoke and the tang of blood, a much-needed cleanse to his palate. Maybe I do, Shoda, but we've all got limits. Hizashi's hairy shins shift from behind Aizawa's shoulder blades to hanging over them as he crafts Aizawa's slick hair into an ice cream whip on top of his head and leans him back in the tub. Whatever happened to Plus Ultra, go beyond, Aizawa asks with his eyes sliding shut again. The echoing sounds of further bathroom bottle fussing from Hizashi, including a point when he briefly stands and fetches something from across the room. That's shit we say to the kids and you know it, Hizashi replies. You know just as well as I do that just as well as I do, that it isn't supposed to involve plus-ultraing yourself into the hospital. Aizawa's not in hospital, this time, but that kind of pedantry is beside the point of what Hizashi's saying, which is right and true as always. Aizawa pushes himself too hard and crashes equally hard as a result, but what's he supposed to do when the pressure is this high? If Aizawa dared to let himself think about what could be going on right now, the evil that is being committed in the world on a rolling basis, 
He dragged himself out of the water like a sea cow trying to take the lead and keep going. What the Doc, what Shioko are about to do, could even be doing right now while Aizawa just lays here and soaks. But Aizawa has to accept the limits of the world, including himself within it. That means sometimes allowing himself to stop, be distracted from the great inestimable darkness, inestimable darkness by thinking of literally anything else. Aizawa opens one eye a crack, watching Hizashi coming back toward him with a razor and shaving foam. He's a great distraction. Always has been. Does that make you my sexy nurse? Aizawa asks with as much hope as humor. Hizashi's got the outfit somewhere in his closet and all, though most nurses don't wear PVC dresses, one of Kayama's cast-offs. But Aizawa's probably not going to get that lucky tonight, if at all. Hizashi scoffs and then primly announces, I'm shaving you, like it's somehow related as he comes back to the side of the tub. Why? Aizawa's feeling better, if also drunker. The liquor must be kicking in. He takes another swig from the bottle, and Hizashi clicks his tongue, swiping it back for himself as he climbs back into the bath, and this time sits on Aizawa's stomach, knees folding on either side of Aizawa in the blessedly roomy tub, facing Aizawa head-on. You're coming into school tomorrow, and you need to look presentable enough that Nezu won't realize what a hot fucking mess you are. Before Aizawa can argue that Nezu definitely knows that much, Hizashi snips him off with, Principal's orders, Shota. It's the last day of term. You have to be there. Fuck. All right. Aizawa groans, lolling his head to the side as Hizashi foams up his sandpaper jaw. It stings that he's been being summoned to school on pain of firing in spite of his supposed emergency leave, while Hitoshi remains indefinitely suspended. What about his last day of term? In the wrong class, on the wrong course? Until Hizashi flips everything on his head. Nezu said to bring your kid, too. He adds as he turns Aizawa's jaw the other way and lathers the rest. Hitoshi? Aizawa's eyebrows rise, forgetting not to respond to Hitoshi as his kid, as the natural thing it feels like. Yeah, something about reviewing his position at UA. Hizashi parrots with an impressive mimicry of Nezu's cheery voice. Do you think he's going to get transferred into the hero course? <laughs> Not likely, Aizawa mutters, keeping his face still as Hizashi starts to pull the razor carefully over his cheeks and jawline, flicking off the black flecked foam so it can dissolve into the water. It's in the rat's interests to keep Hitoshi out of the spotlight as long as possible. Especially now, when the media are circling the Shinso story like vultures around the site where a whole herd of buffalo were slaughtered and left to fester in the hot sun. How's Hitoshi holding up? Hizashi makes it sound very easy to echo the way Aizawa refers to Hitoshi, using his given name like it's a different kid to the moody Shinso he teaches in his English classes. Maybe they are, in his mind. Hizashi's good at drawing flexible separations like that. Better than Aizawa is. Better than I am. 
Aizawa says, in a moment between strokes of the razor. A compliant pile of putty that Hizashi can shape at will. It's the truth, too. Hitoshi's a more experienced mentalist and accustomed to living in fear in a world where Dr. Shinso's not behind bars. With any luck, he's fast asleep in bed right now, watched over by all the protection Kiki and Yamaguchi can offer him. But Aizawa doesn't feel that lucky. Roadkill is doing better than you, Shota. Hizashi scolds. That's no basis for comparison. Aizawa keeps quiet as Hizashi shaves around his mouth, ticking on his upper lip and gentle touches to guide his jaw from side to side. It occurs to him that he should talk to Hizashi, to actually tell him any, in any capacity at least, about the recent recategorization of Aizawa's quirk and his new understanding of himself as a horribly inexperienced mentalist. But somehow he can't find the words. The words Aizawa can find when Hizashi pauses shaving are, I don't deserve you. Well, duh. Hizashi bounces back like he's made of elastic, a limber demon covered in tattoos, grinning at Aizawa with his unnaturally white paid-for teeth. But then Hizashi curls down over Aizawa, grips sure on Aizawa's jaw to guide his mouth up into a wet-lipped kiss that practically squeaks it's so clean. Backing away to finish the shave, Hizashi gets a touch more serious. I know you're caught up in case world right now. Aizawa looks honestly at Hizashi, wishing he would change his glasses so Aizawa can see his eyes properly. I know you probably think you've got it under control too, but if the heat is on, I want you to... to call you. Aizawa finishes for him, just as Hizashi's rinsing off his clean-shaven jaw. I know. I will. Maybe. Probably? The problem with the heat is that Aizawa's usually on fire before he realizes what's happening. And the problem with bringing Hizashi in is that it increases the risk of people Aizawa loves getting hurt by a shit ton. The greater the fear, the higher that feeling of risk crawls in Aizawa's chest. And the more he doesn't want to do it, and the Doc and Shioko are something to be that afraid of. Shota. Hizashi's not playing, and knocks his glasses down with a finger, leaning close to Aizawa's in focus. Leaning close to Aizawa's in focus for him. I need you to promise me. Aizawa hesitates a little, and Hizashi's too smart not to catch it. Shota! It sustains, and will continue to do so until... Yes. Aizawa buckles, like he's being nailed in the gut. If shit hits the fan, I'll call you. Promise. Aizawa seals his own fear like a wax seal on an envelope. I promise. Hizashi sits up straight and seems barely content with the offering. But can you do something for me? Aizawa's tentative, gaze crawling up and down the intricate tattoo canvas of Hizashi's body. Swallows, his tongue feeling thick and, and a lump heavy in his throat. What? Hizashi reaches for the bottle and takes another swig. 
Aizawa puts his hands on Hizashi's thighs and scoots him backwards just far enough to brush Aizawa's cock in the water. Fuck me till I can't think straight. Hizashi laughs boldly and resettles his weight to more obviously grind over Aizawa's crotch. I hate to break it to you, darling, but I don't think you've had a straight thought in your life. Good. Aizawa growls as he presses up against Hizashi and raises his uninjured arm from underwater to wrap around Hizashi's back, pulling them into a messy bitch kiss to top them all. <laughs>